1: Eagles.
0: Who can forget?
1: Again, I'm looking, at those up the middle. That's it! At the Derrick 30, Derek Brooks, 30, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is, the daggers in. We're going to win the Super Bowl.
0: We call them the Salty Dogs.
2: Coming at you from the Advent Health Training Center in our humble little corner of the. Studio where they shoot the Allie and
1: Donovan Show, or the Donovan and Allie Show. Uh, it's uh, do- uh, Allie and Donovan.
2: Anyway, you just heard both of us. We're the Salty Dogs. I am Scott Smith, and I'm Jeff Ryan. I literally almost just said I'm Jeff Ryan right there.
1: Well, you <laughs> could be if you wanted to. It's okay. <laughs> then I would know how to run the board. There you Well, you'd have to upgrade totally.
2: Jeff, can you believe we're already in the third week of yes, the season?
1: Yes, and I before I get started, I'm really crushed. Uh, I, I heard you on another podcast, and I'm thinking, what? You go do another podcast? Uh, I cheated on you? Yes. You know, I, yeah. Wow.
2: I just need a little variety in my life. Jeff.
1: Listen, if you want to talk about Burt Reynolds, I can. I can give you a lot on him. I didn't lead that discussion. I'm just saying. Um, okay, so
2: I don't know if I can. Really take credit for this, but it's worth pointing out that since the Salty Dog podcast came into existence, the Buccaneers have not lost a regular season game.
1: I'm taking credit for it all the way. I mean, I don't know if we can say definitely that's the reason, but
2: I'm not not saying that.
1: But what happens if it really was and we changed it? Well, we can't
2: take that chance.
1: Well, that's that's exactly right.
2: That's why right. Our, our, our bosses have to allow us to keep doing it. It's like my show.
1: lucky underwear. You know? <laughs> Which you, you haven't changed in three weeks. No, right? no, you just game day underwear.
2: <laughs> oh, I got you. So... You know the the crack PR staff and I, we both dice up all the stats.
1: Communications department. You always
2: say that. Who cares? Everybody but knows their PR.
1: Th- th- they That's are what now. You call them, it's n- it's I don't it's what you 2018, <laughs> Scott. I don't 2018.
2: Um, we all dice up the stats every way. They do some. I do some. Mm-hmm. We compare notes. And really, honestly, there's just no any way you slice it. It's been the best two games of passing offense. And probably overall offense even though the running attack hasn't been that good that the buccaneers have ever had ever 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 no question and it's a lot of fun (laughs) it is
1: you know it i think i think you forget that how much fun it can be yeah and uh the last couple games certainly have who saw this coming i'm not sure other than people maybe upstairs in this building saw it coming but um, you, you, nobody you, you, else. No. And you have to enjoy it. And, you know, it is only two wins. And I know there are people out there going, hey, you guys are really jumping on the, you know, just. Um, ah, just
2: I had a friend get on my case because yeah, we used got the Super last, Bowl yeah, in the last yeah. podcast. Right. Despite the fact that we said we're not talking about the Super Bowl.
1: Correct. And, and. We will show what it's all about in two weeks.
2: Here I'll do it. We're we're not we're not talking like we're gonna go sixteen 0 Jeff. No, no, no. There. Now I, now, we'll, now we'll get accused of saying we, we yeah. said we were gonna go sixteen.
1: I will say I will say this. Worst case scenario that I would say ninety nine percent of the people who cover sports well, I'll reverse it. Best case scenario that ninety nine percent of the people who cover sports that the Bucks would be two and two after four games. So Best at best. At best, that that would be be, because we were facing
2: the most difficult in terms of wins from the previous season. The most difficult three game start to a season ever in the history of the NFL. And you're a five and eleven team with your starting quarterback suspended.
1: Yes. So you can't blame them. I understand that. So what I'm saying is, enjoy it while you can. (laughs) That's that is where if you remember in 2010. Uh, last time we got the race to, to
2: ten. Yes, the race <coughs> to ten. Mark uh, Dominic and Raheem Morris.
1: And and the thing was, uh, one of the things that troubled me during that season is they didn't get credit for those wins because everyone kept saying, well, you know, they weren't very good teams. There wasn't, you know, you guys weren't really playing anybody. I don't think uh, the credit got got paid for getting those ten wins that year.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I I don't think that team was that good. I got to be honest with you. I know,
1: but they won games. So
2: enjoy it while you can.
1: Enjoy it while but you I'm can. But I'm hoping this team
2: is going to continue to win games. Yes. That yeah. team did win 10 games and only lost out uh, on the playoffs on a third-level tiebreaker to the Packers, who went on to win it all. Right. <clears throat> they, did w- they played well. It was a good season, but I don't think that was a great team based on what they no. did in 9 and 11.
1: I, I agree 100%, but it's hard to win in the NFL, and everybody That's forgets true. that. That's a
2: great point. That's Ask great the point.
1: Cleveland Browns. <laughs> 26 games, I think it is, without a win.
2: Yeah, it's something like that. They have one win in the last three years and two weeks, Mm -hmm. but they do have a tie, and they almost got another one. Um, You know, talking about this offense, like I said, you can cut it up a number of different ways. But one thing I wanted to point out Deshaun Jackson obviously is the guy. He's got the most yards, he's got the most touchdowns for us. He's been the big play guy. But I don't want Mike Evans' contributions to get lost here. And. I got a new way of describing it, and I found it on that NFL Jesus, the league's stat site that we were talking service that we were talking cool about site. last week. They have a stat that I hadn't really looked at much before called net yards over average, NYOA. It's really a difficult stat to understand. It took me a while, but the best way I can describe it is if you're a hockey fan, you know what plus minus is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think that means the differentials and goals when you're on the ice and when you're not. Okay, so a plus minus better number means your team is better when you're on the ice. Um, uh, it's kind of a football equivalent of that. And here, let me read the description of it uh, so that we can understand. It means <clears throat> net yards gained by a team while the player is on the field over a rolling six-year league average factoring in field position down in distance. Okay, so in other words, using every play in the NFL over the last six years, they've come up with an expected amount of yards you get in any play in any situation, like first and 10 at the 20. You might be expected in this example to get 5.99 yards. Well, the Buccaneers got 75 on the first play of the game. <laughs> So you can see they were is well that a, over the net yards. Average. Is that overachieving? Yeah. So, <laughs> so they break this down by player. So you know Mike Evans has been on the field for 97 plays through the first two games, and there is no player in the NFL whose team has done better than the Bucks with Mike Evans on the field. He has really? 321 yards over. The team has 321 yards over what you'd expect. From similar circumstances with him on the field. Now, that's a function of the offense as a whole being really, really good. Because if you look a little farther down the list, you'll see Ali Marpet and and uh, and DeMar
1: Dotson. I was just about to say the O-line.
2: Yeah, and and they all have really good numbers, too. They're in the top 10, which means the entire offense is doing great. But the number one guy and the number one guy in uh, yards per play when you're on the field over what's expected in the entire NFL is Mike Evans. It's amazing. And it's great. And Deshaun Jackson has great numbers, too. But we can't forget the impact that Mike Evans is having on everyone around him. Like that 58-yard touchdown in New Orleans, uh, that play was broken down, and Mike Evans, the attention being paid to Mike Evans drew the safety away. Uh, In the 75-yard touchdown to start the game against the Saints – Deshaun said after the game that the, sa- the safety at the top left to go cover Mike Evans. It, I, I watched the replay, and it, I, I, he left for sure. I'm not sure if it was good, co- but that's what Deshaun thinks at least, and he would know better than I. Right. So that's two huge plays that were impacted by Mike Evans when he was 25 yards away from the ball.
1: And I think, I think that's something that uh, Buccaneer teams have not experienced where you have to cover more than one person. If you double team, you're going to get burned. Not only your wide receivers, but let's not forget our tight ends. Makes a big difference there, also. Of course, yeah. You have to pay attention to. Were you surprised how fast OJ Howard was? <laughs> it, it it was deceptive, right? It just yeah. He's like nobody's
2: catching him. Although I will say, scary. Yes, oh. at the
1: very end because he. he
2: it's so scary because you want to you want to scream and that you can't communicate with this guy and he's like there's a guy right behind you catching you up look out and he kind of did the, the ball down by his side and it was that classic. Get knocked away at the last second? I can't believe he got away with it. Yes,
1: yes. Uh, Two steps, and it would have been over with. O.J.
2: Howard uh, definitely made a huge impact on that game.
1: Uh, Was that 63 yards, something like that? 75. Was that
2: 75? It was like a 15-yard catch, and he ran the rest of the way. I just hope that he doesn't do that very end of that play like he did ever again. Here's what he needs to do. Learn from veteran Deshaun Jackson. My favorite part about the Deshaun Jackson describing his touchdown to start the game was that he said as he's running his route, which I think was like a deep post. I
1: know what you're going to say. Well, go ahead then. Yeah, you're saying he looks up at the jumbo drop, which track. that's a Randy Moss <laughs> thing. It used to do in yeah. Minnesota all the time. Yeah. Which is crazy. How you can look? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't running, that throw you off? You think so? Is it not like looking in a mirror? It's reversed to what's going on.
2: These guys are special athletes, man. That they can process that information.
1: Talk about multitasking. So he looks up and he
2: see. He says he sees um, uh, Fitzpatrick step back. It's a throw, and he thinks, that looks like that's probably coming to me because he can tell it's a deep ball. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, I think it's coming to me. So was then it he, the wind-up? Was, was it the arm wind-up that <laughs> just, gave him that? I just can't believe it. So O.J. Howard could have been doing the same mm-hmm. thing. He could have been looking at the at the board as he's running in and see there's a guy closing in on him, and then he'd cover up the ball, right?
1: I And all <clears> the games that I've seen of Buccaneer football, of all the games, I've never seen a start like that, okay. ever. You mean the start of the game? The start well, of the game. Well, there's never been one. It's so. it, crazy. I mean— it was, it, you know, first play of the game, and you're like, I think it took 11 seconds, something like that. You
2: know what right? the funny part about that is? Is in the press box, you're not supposed to cheer. Mm-mm. But sometimes you do a little bit. On plays like that, nobody cheers. Everybody just kind of looks at each other in amazement, like with their mouths hanging around, like, did that just happen? It,
1: it, we don't <clears throat> we don't cheer in the broadcast booth, other than Gene getting excited. Well, but, yeah, you know, you don't hear that. that right. I mean, so much is going on once it happens, uh, making sure everybody's making the right call. But, um, I, I like the fact that, you know, Deshaun's talking about how he developed it. It's not just him. He's not saying, yeah, you know, I'm just he, – he was paying attention. and I think that's where the experience of – and you call these guys old. They're like thir- in their 30s. That's where it's all come to fruition is they see things that we're not seeing. That's fair. And so it gives another element to the offense.
2: Yeah, and – Everything that we wanted out of Deshaun Jackson when we signed him in 2017 and didn't get last year, and every oh, the coaches say it was not his fault. No, everything that you wanted, you're getting now. Not just the big plays, not just the big plays, but leadership, mm-hmm. like you said, and and his knowledge rubbing off on other guys. Team Deshaun, player. Deshaun is even on. We started a social justice program today. The team did um, <clears throat> something that's going to be going on all season, and it's play. It's a player led initiative. It's what the things that they want to do, and they created a little voluntary board. Unsurprisingly, Gerald McCoy's on it. Ali mm-hmm. Marpet, Deshaun Jackson is one of them,
1: and they're meeting with the Tampa Police Department today. Yeah,
2: and, but I mean, it's. Did you think when you were signing Deshaun Jackson that you were getting a leader and a guy no. that would lead your team in community involvement? Is, isn't that's it great?
1: Fu- isn't it? Yeah, isn't it funny how when you see guys on a national level and then they come to your team, your whole impression's totally different. Yeah, Darrell Rivas was a perfect example.
2: That's your that's your example. Yeah,
1: that's my example. Okay,
2: that's a good one. Because I
1: thought one thing is he was very aloof he was kind of a prima donna and not at all one of the one, just a solid guy all the way across the board uh, not only with his teammates but he was solid within the staff and and a lot of and you know as well as i do uh, you have to ask players to do a lot of different things and we did a radio show with him and I never had to remind him always on time always was prepared just like it was a game yeah. and and i and i told i actually told him that I said, I thought you were I, – I, I'm surprised by that. And he looked at me and goes, really? Come on.
2: Yeah, from their perspective. Yeah, they yeah. were just always the same guy. They yeah. didn't know you thought that. Mm-hmm. I love that topic. I've talked about that many times with guys around here. Um, two guys that stand out to me. One, Chris Sims. You know, when he was at Texas, he – you know, the f- – Fans loved to hate him. They uh-huh. loved Major Harris or whatever yeah. Major something. Yeah,
1: Major. I think it was Major Harris. Uh,
2: I think Major Harris might be somebody else. But anyway, the the guy's name was Major. It well, wasn't Major Fitzpatrick for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the quarterback that everybody loved there, but wasn't the everybody looked at Chris Sims like he was the kid with the mm-hmm. born with the silver spoon and he was having everything gifted to him. He comes here. And I've rarely met a nicer guy among all the players. I agree. And Just the guy, just as he's just as happy to talk to you or me as his teammates. Just a great guy.
1: And if you run <clears> into <throat> him today, he says I hello. I did that. That
2: happened to me in uh, somewhere we were. Oh, uh, I think the combine or something or the NFL owners meeting. I ran into him. Super guy. Okay, so then the second one is Joey Galloway. Oh yes. You know he holds out that one year. He's traded for two first round picks. To the Cowboys again. You think prima donna? Right. Not at all. Nicest at guy all. ever. And just down to earth. That's the guy that begged me for weeks and weeks to play on our staff softball team. Yes. And then eventually did because
1: and when Bruce Allen w- said he could. And when he was running slow, he was five <laughs> times faster than everybody else out
2: there. At least he wasn't like Lamar Thomas. That guy played on my team for a while, too. And he was so annoying because he was in love with his speed. So he did mm-hmm. a ground ball. And he'd beat it out to first, but instead of just beating it out, he'd turn and try to go to second, and uh, he'd be out yeah, by a mile. Yeah. It was really irritating. Okay. Anyway, that's off topic. I can't believe we haven't even mentioned yet that we're going to be talking to next Ring of Honor member, Tony Dungy here in a yes. couple minutes. Well, the,
1: the reason why we don't have to mention it is because when you see the podcast, Everybody it's going to be a picture of Tony up there. I know, but I'm still excited about I'm it. very excited <laughs> about seeing him. Yes. And
2: he'll tell us some stories.
1: Yeah. He'll tell some and, great stories. And, and yes, and... Just, I mean, you talk about a guy that just is what he is. That's Tony. Yeah. Okay. There's no surprises.
2: Okay, before we move on to yep. Tony, we have to address the elephant in the room. Because I don't think there is an elephant in the room. Well, well that's one way of looking at it. But and, and, you know, we were talking about Deshaun, and he apparently brought it up on NFL Network. Uh, his opinion is you can't, when Jameis Winston comes back, if Fitzpatrick is this hot, you can't make a change. Okay, mm-hmm. now the first thing we need to say here is what the, what – Cutter who's the spokesman at this point for the team on this subject says and that is that's not an issue for us to worry about right now I agree it's the Bears I mean it's the Steelers to worry about right now and mm-hmm. we'll cross that bridge when we come to it that's fair I'm sure they're thinking about it it's not like they're they're avoiding it you know they got to be considering options <clears throat> but it's also fair not to discuss it out in the open you know so the the official team response so anything we say here is just you and I kind of,
1: yeah, it's just us. it's just
2: us freewheeling on it. What we think could be what's
1: what's the disclaimer? Uh, our views do not represent do the not, organization. Do not necessarily. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
2: yeah. our views that our passing attack is really mm-hmm. good probably do represent the organization.
1: Yeah. Well, we do we we do have more insight than most people, and there's some things that we have to keep close close to the vest. I mean, like,
2: yeah, if we knew what the sure. decision was, and I'll be honest, right. we don't at this point. But if we did, we wouldn't be able to
1: reveal it. No, but I don't know either. But I'm going to go by what's been said by Dirk numerous times. He takes the best yeah, 46 right. of that week. That's correct. So
2: if he thinks Fitzpatrick is the be- one of those 46 and over Jameis, then that's what they'll do.
1: And he goes by his matchups, and I think that's very fair. Um, you have a quarterback that – who knows the reason why? Who knows the reason why, other than does he have a great rapport with with his wide receivers? Is it because, you know, everybody talks about how old he is. He's 35. There are quarterbacks older than he is still playing in the league. That's true. By five years. Right. Five, six years. That's true. That's a good point. So, so. Is he coming into his prime late? Could be. You, you don't you don't last in this league for as many years as he has well, without some skills. And
2: he's done this, as Coach Cutter likes to point out, he's done this before. He won the Player of the Week award last week, and that was his sixth one. Uh, and it's his fifth since 2014, and I looked it up. He's got a decent shot to win it again this week, which mm-hmm. would be six. I think it's
1: going to be hard because <laughs> of the guy in Kansas. Six no, but that's, that's AFC. Oh, that's true. That's probably
2: the biggest issue is Matt Ryan, because I think he had two passing and Mm -hmm. two running touchdowns. So we'll see. But if Fitz were to win it again, that would be six since 2014. And the only players in the entire NFL, either offense, defense, or special teams, who have more Player of the Week awards, if he gets the six, Mm -hmm. would be uh, Aaron Rodgers and... Good company. Yeah, there's another quarterback that I'm, I'm blanking on right now, but it's Aaron Rodgers and... One like Tom Brady or something.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it would be Tom. And
2: Brady. then there's two other quarterbacks th- uh, that have six, so he'd be up there with the guys that have had the most of these one-week explosive days. I,
1: I, I so
2: have, this isn't totally out of the blue, is my point. right.
1: Oh, I, I, I agree, and uh, mainly because we see him in practice, and I also think about the teams he's been on. Has he ever been around the well, type of caliber of receivers and and. W- Actually, just a whole ball of wax.
2: Actually, from time to time, he has. I mean, when he first started, he was throwing to Tory Holt, and mm-hmm. did Tyson he have Bruce. success? That was yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was Rams. with the Rams at. But he just started. He that was, was the was, beginning. He came in like at the end of his rookie season and got a few starts. Um, but okay, so but uh, w- the way we started this was the issue of Jameis has one more year, one more game on his suspension, and then the Chicago game, and we've said all along that we thought if. It would make some sense if Fitz was doing okay Mm -hmm. to at least let him start the Chicago game because it's on a short week right after Jameis got back, and then there's the bye week. So if you were preparing, I'll admit at the beginning of this, I thought that's what was going to happen and that they would be going to Jameis after the break, which still could happen. However, I personally have changed my mind, and this has nothing to do with Jameis. Uh, I, I think you have to acknowledge the fact that one of the reasons you asked why is he doing so well, Fitz, one of the reasons is... This ridiculous cast around him, mm-hmm. you know, and and Coach Cutter said a lot of the things you said about specifically why Ryan was doing well. That he's a good quarterback. He's experienced, you know, all that. He's had time to work with these guys, and then he said, and also, the cast around him is really good. The offensive line is playing phenomenal, so he's got time to throw, and he's got an incredible cast of pass catchers around him. So that he, w- I'm sure, if he'd be the first one to say that, if he were in the room with us right now, right, that's helping him do well. And presumably, if Jameis were in there, he would be benefiting from the same. Same assets. That said, theory. if you're winning, I don't think it changed.
1: Things. No, I, I don't think a I quarterback. It's a good problem to have. I don't see why having a quarterback controversy is an issue. Usually, the controversy is not in the building. It's usually outside. It's yeah. usually everybody talking about it. That's true. Which has started this week? You know, a two and zero oh and automatic. You know how can you get people what, – What what's the one thing? The quarterback on the bench is the guy everybody wants to come in and play. So in in theory, Jameis was the starting quarterback. He has now been out. He hasn't done real football stuff for three weeks. So no matter what happens in the Pittsburgh game, I agree with you. I think, it, you know, unless all of a sudden – Fitz's arm falls off. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you stay You stay with it, and then when you get to the bye, you reevaluate where you are, where you want to go down the road. Yeah, And it doesn't hurt, Scott. It, I mean, it does not hurt to know that you have three really capable quarterbacks on this team, and Ryan Griffin showed that during the preseason.
2: Yeah, usually when you have a quarterback controversy, it's because things aren't going well. <clears throat> and they want you to bring in the backup. Right. It's not usually when things are going well. Like, to pull, go to the way-back machine, Vinny Testaverdi and Chris Chandler, like mm-hmm. in 1991, they kept switching back and forth between those two, but the teams was terrible no matter who was in there, and neither quarterback was that great, although they both went on to some pretty good heights. I think
1: 1992 was, <clears throat> I think we were 2-0. and
2: Yeah, that was, uh, we beat Green Bay and Arizona, mm-hmm. but neither of those teams were any good. And I looked at that, and all the 2-0 and o seasons, it's kind of sad, but this is only our eighth 2-0 start, yes. our first since 2010. But you look at who we beat. Uh, the Buccaneers have never started a season 2-0 and o where their two wins were against teams from the playoffs the previous year. It's never happened. We've never started 2-0 and o where our two wins were against teams that had winning records the last year. So this is a really quality 2-0 and o start. And, well, it's a good <clears throat> measuring
1: stick that says no matter what happens, I, well, it does matter. You know, wins and losses always matter, but... I think you can look at this team and say, without snickering, they can play with anyone Now I'm not because of the offense yeah <clears throat> I'm not going to say you're going to beat everybody, but I'm just saying that y- going into the game, you have a shot at winning because you have the weapons you yeah, have you, you know I you have the team. and yeah. you can
2: utilize them because the offensive line is playing right, well right. Uh, you know the defense obviously ranked 31st needs to get better, and there's a, there's injury concerns there. Mm. There's there's issues with the teams that we've played so far. Mm-hmm. There's issues with the fact that we've got these big leads, and then you're protecting the leads, and sort of the team's moving the ball pretty well on you. One thing you have to remember <clears throat> is the league is is not the same as it used to no. be. So, uh, Kansas City, for instance, I would think people are pretty high on Kansas City right now, right? Yeah. Well, they're the last in the league in defense, and defense is a range – the rankings are arranged by yards, and the game is different now. I mean, giving up 21 points to Philadelphia, including the last seven on just an insane. That
1: fourth was a down great catch. Pass. That was great. That pass that,
2: was I, when yeah. I saw Carlton leaping up. I'm like, "Well, we got this one stopped." How he dropped that over Carlton, under the other defender, and right in the corner is
1: amazing. You just play. have to <clears> stand <throat> up and clap and say, right. "Awesome play!"
2: So, but we we you have to make some big plays along the way, mm-hmm. which we did with some with the with the fumble and the sack. Uh, And some third down stops Levante David on fourth down Marcus Williams on his first ever play for the Buccaneers on defense on third down before that stops Zach Ertz in the open field. You have to have some big plays, some big stops. You have to have good third down defense, which we actually have so far and you have to be better in the red zone. And before that fourth down pass, the Bucs made the Eagles use seven plays Mm -hmm. to get that ball in from the 20 in. It took them seven plays and they made three really good stops inside the seven to force that fourth down okay the eagles make a ridiculous play but in addition to making them work so hard for it i was i can't help it during those games i'm staring at the clock the like the entire time like just keep ticking down and and that that sequence from like the 15 yard line in took them like three minutes off the clock was running because they were saving their time Three forty
1: six, i think that whole drive was
2: they needed their timeouts. They knew that to stop us and stop the clock when we had the ball. They needed to have those timeouts if they, after they scored. So they weren't using them, and I thought their tempo was a little slow. I thought they, the Eagles should have been getting to the line quicker. Uh, <clears throat> so that was important because when we punted the ball away at the end, we, there was time for like one more, two more plays, and that's it. So the defense, we, and I can't help it. I look at it. we got to get at these things like 31st and league. Has the defense been great? No, it no. is definitely not. But they have made enough plays to help this team win
1: and at the end of the day when you games over with you go back and you can now pick one two three plays and say if this didn't happen if that didn't happen but how many times it did have we happen. done
2: that how many times have we done that last Absolutely. couple years on the other end we're like if we just made that one play but, or just stop that but one but that's play. the difference now between teams. Yeah.
1: that's the difference between teams winning and teams losing is you make the play that needs to be made <laughs> and right now for two games the Buccaneers have made those plays. And
2: Jeff, at the beginning of this, you said maybe only the people upstairs knew that we had this capability. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why they believe that, because they believe they were a better team last year than the record shows, because so many games came down to just, if you could switch one or two plays, you just have to make those plays, and now we are.
1: Or at least through two games. Two games. You have
2: to keep saying that. Uh,
1: What I I uh, like about... What I like about this team right now is you go into the locker room and it's not like, "Oh, look how great we are. Look how wonderful we are." They're not doing that. It's yeah. they got to win. They're on to the next game. There's a lot of chemistry in there and you yeah. and you saw it with Ryan Fitzpatrick doing yeah, his press funny. conference <laughs> and you can see that kind of brings a lot of people together. Yeah. You know. So at least they're making light of it. They're having a good time. Whatever whatever it is, if it's the Kool-Aid, if it's whatever, just keep it going.
2: All right, Jeff, we're we're becoming yes. just incredibly famous as the Salty Dogs, mm. right? But I think there's a guy that our fans would like to hear a little bit more than us. I'm with you. So let's uh, let's cut this off. We'll get to the fans' questions in a little bit. But next up, the newest Ring of Honor member, Tony Dungy, joins us. The Salty Dogs. And we're back here on the Salty Dogs podcast. I'm Scott Smith. That's still Jeff Ryan over I there. I am. But now we're joined by a very special guest, a man whose name is about to go up on the facade of Raymond James Stadium, the next member of the Buccaneers Ring of Honor. Head Coach Tony Dungy. Tony, thanks so much for sitting down with us.
0: Thank you. It's good to be back. And as, as we were saying uh, before we went on, some great memories here. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. Well, when I ran into Tony, he shook my hand.
1: He goes, 25 years, you're still here. <laughs>
2: it is. Everybody's sur- <laughs> know- surprised when they come back It in. is. It's I don't crazy.
1: Know. I don't know if that's good or bad, though. Uh, that's the. Thing. No, it's good. Okay. It's definitely good.
2: Well, Tony, you're already a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which I imagine has to be the greatest honor for any former player or coach, of which you're both. But can you tell us a little bit, of the specific honor of a team essentially saying they always want their fans to remember the place you occupy in the history of this franchise.
0: That is what's really incredible, Scott. And uh, my kids have been asking me um, all this last couple of weeks, "Dad, is your name going to be in the stadium? And, you know, to, to think of it, that, you know, of all the people that have worked for the Bucks, played for the Bucks, been associated with the team, you're one of a handful of names that are on the stadium. And it's really hard to believe.
2: Well, you've been through this before.
0: I have, uh, <laughs> with the Colts, and uh, obviously, you know, you, you win a Super Bowl, so yeah. that, um, you know, gives you a head start there. But to, to see it, to, to see your name uh, up there with the, the greats of the franchise, and uh, I know for me, guys, to think your name is kind of on the same panel with Leroy Selman, I, yeah. I still can't mm. quite grasp that.
2: Yeah, it, and, you know, I think the reason is, the underlying reason is the – the role you had in changing turning this franchise around and changing the culture, and it's an oft told story for good reason because it's true. Your first year as a head coach started out 0 and 5 and then 1 and 8, I think. Yes. and uh, the story goes, and it's true, that you just told your players, We have a plan, we're don't panic, we're sticking to it. So I know that's true, right. and I know that right. worked. But how about you internally when you were telling your players this? Was it easy
0: to say that? It was easy to say it because that that's all I knew. We, that was the plan I had. I, I saw Coach Knoll do it. I saw Denny Green do it. I knew it would work. But you expect it to happen faster. Uh, I, when I came here, I knew we were a talented team. Uh, we had played against the Bucks twice a year when I was with the Vikings. And I, I knew the players we had. So you think – This is going to be fast. We just got to come down here, flip the switch, get this attitude turned around, and we're going to win. And I really believed that. And then we weren't. And we were close. And and we just kept making that critical mistake at the wrong time. But you could see the effort. You could see the work, the energy. And you just felt like it was going to come. But there were times where I said, Lord, when is it going to come? It hasn't happened yet. I had
1: a number of players tell me that you had said, the system's going to remain the same. We may change players, but the system's staying the same.
0: (laughs) I hope I I I didn't say it like that. uh, That's how it was conveyed to me. No, I told them, we believe in you guys, but we believe in the system. I know this works. I've seen this win Super Bowls. I've seen this go to the playoffs. So we're not going to change what we do. We've got a good defense. We've got a good offense in place. We've got a good way of doing things. But you guys have to believe in it. And when you do, we're going to win. Trust me, it's not going to change. A lot of people
1: will go back and look at the the game against San Diego as the turning point, down 14 points. John Lynch, of course, his family's there. There's a big banner on the corner, the Lynch mob yeah. hanging out. He makes the
2: big interception. Mm-hmm.
1: Would, you, would you go as that would be if you had to find a mile marker?
0: I would say that one solidified us. But the, the turning point really was a couple of weeks before that. Uh, we played the Oakland Raiders at home. We were 1-8, as Scott mentioned. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. No, <laughs> and, and things had – we it, it didn't click. And we had a couple things go on on our Tuesday, our day off. And I remember talking to the team about that and saying, we've got to understand that little things matter. Being on time to autograph sessions, being where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to do all the time matters. And that's how we're going to pull out of this. That's how we're going to win. We had a long discussion about that, kind of fought our way through it. We won a game in overtime that day, got our second win, and it it clicked. But then we went to San Diego, it was put to the test because now – we're on the road with, I guess, never won on the West Coast Correct. at that point. Um, we, we feel like we've got this energy. We're going in the right direction, and suddenly we're down fourteen, nothing, right away. And it could have been, oh well, you know, here, here it goes yeah. again. But they fought through it. They stayed. They played the entire game. We ended up coming back, winning. And I remember walking off with John. Uh, going into the tunnel, they're saying, you know what, this, this just might be it. We, I, I think we see now what we're capable of, and and sure enough, that was it. Yeah, and
2: then 5-0 and o the next season, and mm-hmm. the cover of sports is <laughs> great, back to the playoffs. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking
1: of 97, and I may be wrong on this, but I was telling Scott, either somewhere I heard you or somewhere I read that out of all the – and correct me if I'm wrong no, – out of no. all the years that you have been in pro football – 97 stands out as your
0: favorite year. Favorite year, most fun, uh, most energized. Uh, I remember, you know, opening day, we're playing San Francisco. And everybody's kind of just like this year. Oh, the schedule's so tough. Gosh, you got San Francisco (laughs) to start off with. Then you got to go to Detroit. Then Minnesota. How are we going to win a game? And, um, you know, the, the crowd was... Anxious and there because of how we'd finished up the last year, but no one saw that coming. We held the 49ers without a touchdown, and the, the energy in the stadium was great week one. And then we had two road games mm-hmm. uh, where you know people, I think, were thinking, well, we'll see if they're for real. Mm-hmm. And we uh, beat Detroit. Warwick had a breakout game. Mm-hmm. We beat Minnesota. Trent played really well. We held them in check. And now we're, we're three and zero. Oh, we come back and we're playing the Dolphins on Sunday night, and the first sellout that we had. And I remember John Cordova coming in to me before the game and saying, "We don't have any tickets left," <laughs> and it was like <laughs> unbelievable. Oh. This is, you know, this is just this what you want. Yeah. And it was Jimmy Johnson and Miami mm-hmm. and Marino and Sunday night football, and we won that game. And all of a sudden. You know the Bucks fans; they, they'd always been here, but now it was energized, and and that, that and was a that was a special th- year. And the
2: fifth game of that streak was what team, Jeff?
0: The fifth game,
2: Arizona, and who yeah. caught the fourth? down play that ended up being a touchdown. That was Carl, key,
0: Williams. Carl oh, Williams. Beat Aeneas yes. Williams on a, oh, a fourth down wow. Yes. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm really Anies bad. Aeneas Williams, where who's in the Hall of Fame now, just, just, I mean, misses that ball by an inch. Yeah. Carl catches it, takes it to the end zone, and we win You know, to go 5-0. and oh. And I was telling Nelson Luis, after that game, then we get a call. We're playing Green Bay the next week, and they say, we're moving you from 1 o'clock mm. to 4 o'clock. And that's exciting. So we've arrived. You, we have arrived. Yeah. We're big time now. Do you
2: remember – can you remember the details of just about any game if it's thrown at you? Most of them, yep. Yeah. I, I think a lot of players <laughs> and coaches oh, are yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh,
0: you, just, you just remember uh, those, all those right. moments. I got
2: a really random one. Last year, the Chicago Bears ran a, a trick two-point conversion yeah. play, and everybody was raving about it. And I was watching that play going, that's exactly the play that – Philadelphia.
0: Well, you ran. You guys ran it against Green Bay. Oh, hey. We ran it against Green Bay right? to tie the game. Yeah. Yes, two, we ran it for a two point conversion. We called it Heisman sway. Oh, that's it's, great it's, detail. Uh, yeah, Les Steckel put it in, uh, and we we practiced it all year, and we ran it when uh, we needed a two point conversion. And mm-hmm. I remember Warren Sepp saying. That worked. I can't <laughs> believe that worked. <laughs> it was. Because we'd seen it so much and done it so much that he, he, he couldn't imagine it, but it, it worked it, perfectly. Yeah, it was handoff to war, Warwick, Warwick, lateral to. All stop and then he, pitched he had the it option, to, to, Sean option to Sean King. Yep. <laughs> I
2: was watching that play and everybody's raving about it being yes, such a revolutionary yeah. idea. I'm like, we ran that <laughs> 18 <laughs> years yeah, ago,
0: 2000 or 2001. Unfortunately, yeah.
2: the missed field goal, and and uh, yeah. I mean, otherwise we'd have had to buy that. Yeah, week, that yes, yeah. it's amazing how seasons can change on the on one on those on one play. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that, that Jamie is- Duncan intercepted the ball, ran it back, and we got in field goal position and just went. Six inches to the and right. And it's
2: not like we had a poor kicker. Martin yep. was having a great year. Yep, mm-hmm.
0: one of the few big kicks that he missed yeah. for us. Yeah. The um,
1: '99 season, where we go to the championship game, and and then everyone claims on the Burt Emanuel rule and all of that. Again, I'm going to go by history. Didn't we we had that happen once before to us, or was that a play that I don't I, recall that?
0: Yeah, I can't. Re- I I remember it was. Because they changed the rules. That was the first year of replay. And the first game of the year, we played uh, the Giants. And we they scored a touchdown on a play. We challenged it. They reviewed it and said upheld it. Mm-hmm. And then after the game, we got a note that said it should have been turned the other way. At one of the few times of my, I got a $10,000 fine that, <laughs> that day oh, because no. – uh,
1: Gosh, Ed Hockley was
0: mm-hmm. the official, and I said in my press conference, I don't blame people for missing a play on the field, but if Ed Hockley has two minutes to look at a play and still gets it wrong, he shouldn't be officiating. <laughs> <laughs> that cost you 10. That cost, $1. cost $1. me <laughs> 10 grand, and my mom and dad called me and said, what are you doing and what's going on? Plus, you called out the ref with the yeah, head. Yeah, but, you. Uh, well, was he was a young guy then. But. That was the first game of the year. And so we're just, uh, gosh, and I had never been a fan of replay anyway. And, hey, it shouldn't be in if they don't get it right. Last game of the year, we are uh, in St. Louis driving for the go-ahead score with just a couple of minutes left. Burt catches the ball. Uh, We call timeout. We're getting our next play ready. uh, I think a third down play at about the 16, Mm -hmm. 17-yard line. And they say on replay it's been reversed. So, of course, in St. Louis, they're not showing it uh, on the screen. So, afterwards, I think, well, Bert must not have caught the ball. And then when we see it, it's clearly a catch. And then they have a, a meeting in the offseason, the competition committee, to redefine it and say, yes, what Bert Emanuel did, that's always been a catch. And now, from here on, it's going to be a catch again. So, the only time it wasn't <laughs> was <laughs> a championship It's not much consolation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But
1: I also remember uh, you would always say, don't let the don't put the game yeah. in the officials' yeah. hands.
0: Quit worrying about the yeah. officials. Do your job. Well, and I know our defensive guys felt that way. That we should have won that game six to five. Yeah. We had a chance to, to stop them. Ricky Pro caught a great throw in the in the corner of the end zone. But um, you know, we we had plenty of chances.
2: Yeah, yeah about an inch over Brian Kelly's yeah, just, hand. Right. just
0: missed it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he
1: was a buck killer, Ricky Pro. He was. Yes, he was. <laughs> he was
2: Ricky Pro. We
1: finally got uh, him. He, we got another. We got. A we better, usually put another word. Yeah, in we have a middle Reed name Pearl. with him. <laughs>
0: yeah, just it's use good. your imagination. Yeah. 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 we uh, picked him up. Brandon Stokely got hurt our Super Bowl year in uh, Indianapolis, and we picked him up coming down the stretch. And I said, "You owe me a couple. of That's big right. Plays <laughs> you, you took a lot of money from me. That's Make great. me some money now." That's great.
2: Well Tony, thank you so much. It's going to be a, a wonderful weekend. I know everybody's really excited about this game and
0: It, it really is. My family is excited. I'm I'm excited, but more than anything, uh, the Bucks have been just awesome in bringing back every staff person, every player, every coach from that era had a chance to come back and it's it's going to be a great reunion. I was actually here for when when John Gruden went in. And to see all those guys back in the tunnel together, rehashing memories, it's it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I, I, I
1: I always I'm in the, up in the box and sitting there, and we always carry it live, and uh, it does get to you because your memories go flooding back. Everything comes back to it to it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to My it.
2: My wife usually doesn't go to the the Monday night games, but yeah. she's coming. Coming oh, to that oh, one. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, wait before I, before we go, I got to <laughs> tell right. one more story. All right, go ahead. That will tell fans about Tony Dungy. Um, this was a couple of years after you were were had gone to Indianapolis. Indianapolis so you weren't, but you live here. Yeah. And so, my father-in-law, who has since passed away, was in a McDonald's, and you came into the McDonald's and were in line behind him. And he turned to tell you, "My son-in-law works for the Buccaneers." You know, he said something nice to you. He said his name Scott Smith, and you, your first words were, "Oh, how's Giselle? Which is my wife's name, and mm-hmm. he was impressed, and I was <laughs> impressed that you would know my wife's name and remember it several years later. Yeah. So you know, well, you've, you touched
0: a lot of lives, right, mm-hmm. Coach? No, thank you. And I'm, I'm just still not believing that I'm going to be on the same wall with Leroy Selman. It, it's still, I mean, incredible. My when I think Buccaneers, that's yeah. that's the name you that's think of point. the guy who established the way we do things and being classy and and. I was pointed to him, to my guys. Hey, that that's the bar. That's what you're you're trying to live up to. So of course, Monday night game, where that is going to be against the Steelers. Uh, no, oh,
1: it's the sister. Steelers. I'm getting all yeah. confused. Yeah, that's the our other again yeah. again. So where you stand on
0: that? <laughs> you know, the Lord couldn't have worked it out better for me. You know, I have tenure My first ten years in in football, I'm I'm with the Steelers and Chuck Nolan, Art Rooney, and that's where I get all of my philosophy from. And so to be inducted into the Bucks ring of honor with the opponent being the Steelers, it, it, poetic justice. I uh, I like well,
2: great. We're all looking forward to it. Thank you so much for your time. Today, Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tony. The Salty Dogs. All right, Salty Dog fans and Tony Dungy fans, I yes. bet that was a lot of fun for people out there.
1: You know, every time I sit with that man, I learn something.
2: Well, yeah, and it's just nice to have the insight, and it's always fun, and you kind of brought it up to know the things that were important to them, and it's not necessarily the seasons and the games that matter to them that wasn't necessarily the ones you'd
1: think of. Yeah, crazy, cool. isn't it? It's good time. So
2: it's going to be awfully exciting to see him inducted into the Ring of Honor on Monday Night Football against the Steelers. How crazy is that? It's so you, great! You
1: cannot write a script that you you well.
2: Well, I mean, he go. I come, think they chose that game for that reason. Well, right? I understand, <laughs>
1: but what I'm saying is, as you come in as a as a Steeler as a player,
2: learn from you Chuck learn Null.
1: from Chuck Noll. You go through all of this, and then you, your opportunity to become a head coach is here. It's so great! Change the franchise, yep. changed everything. Yeah, great story.
2: Uh, you know what? I'm I'm glad that both he and Gruden are in the Ring of Honor. member now, and, I and, agree. and maybe people can start ar- stop arguing about who deserves the most credit for the Super Bowl. They both do. They do.
1: They do. And, 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 and they both live happily ever after. Well, I don't know if John is living happily happy ever after right now. <laughs> He'll be now, happier but... when he starts to get some <laughs> yes. wins. Yeah, there you go.
2: All right. He has a 10-year contract, so uh, he's got a little bit of Life is good. Hundred
1: billion million. I think you're all right.
2: All right. So you ready for fan questions? I am. All right. This one comes from Andrew. And he says, tied with Jerry Rice. for mo- It's just really abrupt. There's no, like, high salty dogs yeah, or anything. Yes. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Cut
1: to the chase. He knows we're Whatever. running long. Whatever. I guess we he we knows we have re- to answer your questions, yeah. you know. He knows we're running long. That's why he's cutting to the chase. <laughs> there
2: <he is. laughs> Tied with Jerry Rice for most 60-yard catches, third most 50-plus yard TDs in history, 50th in receiving yards, et cetera, et cetera. Is that enough for Deshaun Jackson to be a Hall of Famer? that's a mm-hmm. good question if no or on the fence what if he has two to three more years of similar production before retiring what do you think
1: I think yeah I think he really yeah straight up yes yeah I think so I mean he's a very special <clears throat> uh, special guy I think what hurts him is he's uh, been on what's his this is third team was he who yeah, was, so was, what? He's, well Terrell Owens was like five teams well I understand Randy Moss too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying Usually, people like to go. Oh, this guy stayed with the team the whole yeah, time. Doesn't but have that much anymore. No, no. But I think I think so. I think he's very special.
2: I don't know if he's there yet. I I would have. I would really be tempted to say yes. The problem is, of course, he doesn't have the counting stats. He doesn't necessarily yet have the number of receptions and receiving yards that you'd expect from a, a Hall of Fame receiver. But like this question says, he could get there if he keeps producing mm-hmm. for a few more years. He doesn't seem to have lost a step. But you could make an argument for him, sort of in a different way. Say, okay, maybe this guy doesn't have. Fifteen thousand yards, but the way that he impacted the game, and to be the biggest big play receiver in the game for over a decade, is an accomplishment in itself. I, I could see voting for him for that reason. I don't think it'll be easy.
1: And I don't think getting <clears throat> in the hall is easy at all. Because, well, that's true. Uh, five uh, every year. Yeah, yeah, and and how and the process. So don't even get me started.
2: Yeah, we. No, yeah, I'm, that's our John Lynch. Yeah, that's those things stuck in our craw. Don't even get me going. Yeah. Yeah, I won't get you started just because we're running long. Everything. But one needs, of these days, I'll get you started. That, that
1: whole that whole system needs to change. That is an antiquated way to put people in the Hall of Fame. Let's
2: let's, let's get degress. on that next week, or All somebody right. send us a question about it, and we'll answer it. All, All right. right. Question two: salty dogs, and he says, "Tell Jeff I spelled that with the A W ah, like nice. dogs." So he dogs. must have been listening last week. I like it. I love all the Fitzmagic stuff, and one of the stories said he had something like a 150 passer rating so far. That's true. I think it's 151.5. Yes. I happen to be such an incredible fan, if I do say so myself, (laughs) that I know the highest number you can get in that is. Do you know what the highest number of passer rating you can have is? No. Well, this guy does. 158.3, which is correct. Are you impressed? That's him. I'm like, I guess.
1: I am. Very much so.
2: Jeff is. There you go. Get a life. So my my question to you is, if that one pass hadn't bounced off O.J. Howard and gotten Mm -hmm. intercepted, Would Fitzy Fitzy, have that perfect rating right now? Mm. Is that enough to make the difference? Oh, and also, are either you or Jeff considering growing out a huge beard in homage? You spelled homage right, too. Thanks, and keep up the great casting so that that nice old nurse can get her chores done. Your pal, (laughs) Evan Ellis. Gave us the last name earlier. He's
1: talking about Rusty.
2: Right. uh <laughs> it, it didn't have to say old although she did well, she she's said, 75
1: yeah yeah <clears throat> okay well i already have a goatee and sideburn so i'm almost there with a beard i used to have a beard
2: i try it every now and then and just i don't i'm not a beard guy yeah. it gets scratchy yeah
1: i i had one for a really long time and you heard we, we talked about the story i lost it because the Bucks yeah, went yeah. to the super yeah, bowl but right. yeah i don't know maybe
2: well you got your signature look now yeah. you're good um so do you what do you think because i know the answer i looked it up if 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 you take all his numbers but remove that interception, does his pass rating go up to the maximum of 158.3? No.
1: Yes. It does. Yeah. I had 50-50 chance. <laughs> well, but, but but you also could say if he completed all his passes. So, yeah, but know. we're only talking about one play,
2: yeah. and it was a perfect pass. Yes. If it just doesn't get the fluky, O.J. starts to bobble it, and then he gets hit, and wow. it flies up in the air and center center. Has second. anybody ever ended a game with a perfect passing? Oh, pass yeah, yeah. It, oh, okay. uh, Craig Erickson did it once for the Buccaneers. Oh, it happens good. every now and I think yeah. it. It's Patrick Mahomes might have had mm-hmm. one in this last game. Because here's how it, it happens. You You – it's it's yards per attempt, you, uh, touchdowns per attempt, interceptions per attempt, and um, completion percentage. Those are the four things you combine to figure it out. And there's a there's a, a sliding scale. So as you keep going up, you get a better number in each one. And but there's a there's a cap, which would be one fourth of one fifty eight point three. I, I don't know where they came up with these numbers. Why they didn't normalize it to a hundred would make things a lot easier. But there's only so high you can go. So if you throw 80% completion rate, you get the highest number kicked out on that part of the formula. And if you throw 85, it doesn't go any higher. Okay, so he's at the maximum he can get from three categories and close to the maximum But from interceptions per attempt. But if he was zero, he'd be at the maximum and it'd go up to 158.3. He'd, well, be, he'd have a perfect rating
1: through two weeks of season, which is insane. Maybe Monday.
2: Yeah, he'll have to, he'll have to work real hard to get that passer rating up from 151.5.
1: That's right. That was a good question. Yeah, it was a really good question.
2: Jeff, this is the last one. It's right. from a uh, fan named Kyler. Names these days. Kyler? Ky- K-Y-L-E-R. Parent, I like parent. it. You do like it? Yeah. I think parents Different. try a little too hard. We're what, what what having a good old Scott. Yeah. Jeff. I don't know. I'm as excited by every... as. Well, he said, I'm going to say by everybody. I think it means as everybody. By this start of the season, but I won't try to claim I expected it. That's what we were talking about. Right. I thought we would be lucky to get out of these first three games with one win and then try to fight back into it, you and the rest of the media. Uh-huh. I don't know how long this is going to last. This is like he was listening and sent the question in now, but it didn't.
1: But I'm riding high on it while it's happening. He's
2: taking your advice, Jeff. This is crazy. But I
1: don't understand why people want to poo-poo it. Why? I don't? I think no, our fans I, are loving it. Well, the fans are, but I mean, I, of course, you you know, the way the team is playing, it's lights out. It's fun. It's fun. Just have fun with it. But but yeah. at least you know we talked about this before. It, you know they can do that. So at least you that's that's I'm, two games doesn't prove anything yet. John. No, let's get at,
2: four and then we'll and then we'll they'll say we're going to the Super as Bowl.
1: As Tony Dungy would always say, <laughs> you play by quarters. The worst case scenario right now after the first quarter, we will be. Two and two. Yeah, the, that would be the worst case scenario. Which isn't
2: terrible, um, but we're we're hoping for more.
1: Yes. Oh, you know, um, I think after this kind of start, I think the expectation level has gone up. Look, teams are looking at film like crazy right now. Seeing so it, it it changes very very quickly in yeah. this league.
2: All right. So my question for you guys is, what's the most surprise you've been by a Buccaneer outcome, or like a set of outcomes? Like a winning or losing streak, or a big win over a team you didn't think they were going to beat, or something like that. I know you guys have seen a lot of seasons, and there have to been some stuff that just came out of the blue at you.
1: Uh, I'm going to go back to what we talked about with Tony Dungy um, with the, the win over San Diego. Oh, that that t- big turnaround, the game. big turnaround. Did you didn't see game. that coming? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Did you?
2: Well, I mean, the team is starting to get better.
1: But in San Diego, the team hadn't run well, on the we West Coast California. for how many years? Yeah. I guess I just didn't think of San Diego as a big instrument. Well, no, but I, I think that was the turning point. I think oh, that's a game. That. that's a game that you can go, boom. That, and I think after that game, everyone felt differently. So that that's my pick. I
2: guess the most surprising outcome, and somehow this game always comes up, is the Monday Night Indianapolis game against Tony Dungy in two thousand three. Oh, because you have a twenty one point lead oh, with five minutes left. Yeah, it's a surprise when you don't <laughs> win that one. The
1: only thing that was the only I can say this now, the only redeeming part about that game, it was Tony Dungy, and I, you know, that was the only redeeming. <laughs> I just part. want to forget. That it. was a, oh, I say I
2: want to forget it, but I'm always the one that brings
1: it up. Wow.
2: Here's another one in '99. The Buccaneers were killing it. Okay, there was the, the famous and now uh, no longer with us uh, media, the writer, um, Tom McEwen. Mm-hmm. The Buccaneers started out 3 and 4, had mm-hmm. a big, a really bad loss, I think, at Detroit. Uh, Trent Dilford had been benched. The season looked bad. And Tommy McEwen wrote that we wouldn't win another game the entire season. Mm-hmm. And then we barely lost again. We won 8 of 9 after that. But the one game they lost right in the middle of all that awesomeness was at Oakland, 45 to nothing. 45 yeah. to nothing.
1: Yes. I oh, I, no, I, I wanted to forget that. Yes, I do remember that.
2: <laughs> I think we talked about that with Tony. We did. And and you know
1: what I love about all of that is is that the next year at the Chamber of Commerce lunch, Tony Dungy brought up that some writer wrote that we would never win a game after that. He brought it up? So he did. He <laughs> I did. love that story. That's a great story. I
2: also think um, the Seattle game and I think, Thirteen under Shiano, where we went, we were winless. Oh yeah, went we were up
1: twenty-three-three or something like that. It's like Seattle was awesome; they yeah. never
2: lost at home. Mm-hmm. Then we were we were terrible, mm-hmm. and we almost won that. Game. We ended up losing it. Yes. And then after that, they won four or five games. So it's like, is this that was that turned out to be the mirage in the horrible Greg Shiano era. Correct. Which we are, not, cannot, we are not
1: fond of. I cannot argue
2: that. And before. then the last one I thought of was that last bit in two thousand and eight you know the end of the
1: Gruden era when we were 9 and
2: 9 and 3 and lost the last four
1: and monday night we were 9 and 3 monday night we need to win one game we're going to finish that game we're going to the playoffs and for four straight games we lost and it all changed and that was that yes
2: why are we ending this on such a down note i know i know i know let's not ryan fitzpatrick has a 151.5 passer rating
1: i have to say this he really pulled off that look. <laughs> that's how we should do. This. I seriously, I mean seriously. I mean, it's one thing. It it, it was. Uh, remember the guy in Washington that was always wearing Clinton the, Portis. Clinton always wearing the different disguises. Okay, that was cute, but he pulled it off. Like he could. He, if you didn't know who he was, he looked cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> if he, you didn't know he's not cool. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, hope he's not listening. Well, no. What I mean by that is, is that's not his demeanor. I know. So. But the fact that he walks up to the podium and and plays it, we got to stay within ourselves. We got, yeah, it
2: was really fantastic. The
1: funniest part about that is we're still on the air, so we're still up in the broadcast booth, but I have the TVs. Punched into the press conferences so I can see who's up there and what's going on. And when I first glanced up, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and I was wow. And so I had to get up and leave the broadcast booth because I couldn't turn the volume up to hear what he was saying because Dave was on the air. Okay. So I I ran <clears throat> out in, into the other press area so i could hear so i could communicate what we were seeing crazy That's it was awesome.
2: great yeah. yeah he really pulled it off no very very good viral
1: uh, all i'll just say this buck fans have a lot of fun with it enjoy it let's see where you know it's the beginning of the ride so I, uh, with that i'll say since you did thanks for listening